At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome Tony Topping. He is a writer, media contributor, and contactee who has become a targeted individual by secret covert interests who monitored his interactions with UFOs and off-world entities. He has appeared on multiple TV and radio shows to shed light on the shadow of the secret world of the UFO phenomenon. Tony, welcome. How are you tonight? Hey, we're okay, mate. We're okay battling the demons, uh, you know, saving mankind all in a day's work. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, and, yeah, know, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when you've had 40 years of uh, dealing with high strangeness, I wouldn't call it awesome. Uh, I'd call it a roller coaster ride, actually. But but there you go. That's the uh, that's the situation, mate. That's how it is. That's uh, that's how I have to deal with it. Mentally, it's very demanding. Anyway, nice to be on your radio show. Fire oh. away on any questions you want and what you want to ask me about what it's like to be on the uh, on the front line of dealing with UFOs and uh, all the circus that goes on for it in uh, in real life, mate. I, I just uh, I hope you don't mind me saying there is a narrative that runs in the U.S. media at the moment, which is a controlled narrative. Uh, it's a psyops narrative about UFOs. Uh, they're a threat. They're this, they're that, the other. I think what your listeners might hear from me is what it's like to be a, a modern-day Billy Meyer, a modern-day contact experiencer. And that narrative is askew, frankly. It's not quite correct. Uh, we're not being invaded. It's not as it appears to be. But we'll talk about that as we go on, I'm sure. Yes, your, your story is definitely fascinating. And I, I love to have people like yourself that have had direct contact with yes. these entities to help us understand the phenomenon. Um, no, no, absolutely. My, my life has been my life has been dominated by it. But there again, matey, I've had one. I've had one hell of a life uh, just recently last year, for example. Uh, just to give your listeners a, a perspective, I'm currently now writing my book after my mother's passed over. That's called Revelations of a Paranormal Intelligence Asset. And I'm writing that at the moment due to the things that have been going on around me and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I think uh, before moving to Southport, where I am now, if your listeners can picture what I've been through, I had to look after my mother uh, for a period of nearly five to eight years. No, eight years it was. Uh, two of those years, she was bowel incontinent, which meant that I had to clean up after her and we couldn't get help. And then I had to look after her all the way through the dementia process until a dying day. Uh, we did get help eventually, but it was very hard work. And when I say this, it's because it makes a man out of you very quickly. So this situation that I find myself in mans you up very quickly and um, you, you, you become very hard and very strong. And so I thank my darling mother uh, for the strength that she's given me to carry on. The aliens, the UFOs, whatever you want to call them, have saved my bacon on three occasions. It's been hair-raising. 
but th that's kind of like where we're at at the moment, the writing of the book. We had a film company here the other day. We've got a US TV company actually uh, interested in me. Uh, my mother would be very proud. So that's how I've ended up sat well, where I am now. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Where did we'll this all start for you? Um, so it was in uh, the early 90s, right? It, it, we'll call it the early 90s. I mean, I, I mean, my first actual psychic visions happened at two years of age. Um, uh, but, but it just goes to show the, the hair-raising time I've had. We'll technically take it from 92, I think, where we had like, what we could describe um, as this uh, UFO that was like something out of Close Encounters flying in uh, over my house for about 10 seconds. It appeared and was gone. Uh, and it was incredible. It was a light show. It was unbelievable that it was there. Uh, it, it, they're going to put in another appearance. And then I moved to, I kind of like got a place at stage school and I moved to stage school. Um, and then I, I kind of like, it was, I moved back to Yorkshire again. Yeah, that was right. Moved back. Uh, and then I went back to London again. And it's when I moved back to London a second time that the strangest of activities began including UFOs constantly following me, UFOs, little dots of light UFOs following me everywhere, all this kind of thing. Cut a long story short for your uh, listeners. I then moved back to uh, Selby in Yorkshire, and it's then it began about 96, really, where truly, no, 97 on a summer's evening, these two dots of light, they came together, they merged as one, there was an orange flash that woke my mother up, an orange flash in the sky. Everybody thought it was lightning. And you heard this voice imprint across the garden saying hello to you. So you hear this voice going hello. And that's really when it technically all began. Um, and it really did begin. My God, it began and it keeps on going. And um, I've been under surveillance and I've had unmarked helicopters film me. I've had some very strange people, we would describe them as uh, agents of the state, following me. Um, it's frankly been insane. Well, let's so start with the craft. What did the craft actually look like that you saw? Well, the, the, the craft, the first craft that came in, and these are known as the primary UFO incidents. What, what you've got to remember is there is an international cover-up at the highest level. You've got to remember that the governments, your government especially, has an information civil war going on whereby the Joint Chiefs of Staff can pick up the phone and go, can you tell me all about UFOs, please? My military needs to know. And this person will turn around to him and go, sorry, sir, we can't tell you. It's national security. So you've got this loop going on of, uh, of kind of like our key policymakers, key intelligence advisors being kept out the loop of the UFO situation, while at the same time, you have a narrative uh, running through the media of UFOs are a threat, UFOs are this, UFOs are that, and it's not technically true. Somebody's actually, somebody is bullshitting, frankly. It's not like that at all in real life, and you're being lied to, and the point is this, there's an unwritten law that says, for nefarious reasons, actually, that you cannot have a liaison with extraterrestrials. It's not allowed. If you're the only, if you're the man in the street and you have liaison with UFOs independent of this narrative, that's not allowed. But the, the scenario is what happens is these advanced spiritual star nation people step out of this narrative and do their own thing out of control of any form of control that's trying to cover up the UFO situation. And you then have an alien cold war on your hands. 
and that is what's actually going on. There's a bit of a Cold War going on, the alien equivalent of Russia and America. It's, a, it, it, it's tricky, but that's roughly how it is. So 1999, the first UFO came in, it illuminated a TV antenna. So it comes in over the house, it illuminates a TV antenna and flies off again. I had dreams about this for quite a, quite a period of time before I filmed it. And then there was other incidents with UFOs. There was an incident where a triangle UFO comes in over the house and then two balls of light UFOs rapidly overtake it at speed. And we've got the imagery analysis. We've got all the photos going to go in the book. Were, were most of these craft uh, physical or, or physical. light craft? Really? No, no, they're, they're physical. They, they, they are not to be confused with, with oh, that's a TR-3B. They're not to be confused with something like that. These things are amped up. They're lit. They're ET. They're not from round here, uh, but they are from round here technically because they're using bases from our oceans, and that's the that's the kicker. They are using bases from our oceans and th this kind of thing. So you've got very advanced craft coming in over my house for no apparent reason whatsoever, or for reasons that I don't I don't technically understand. That was followed by, an, uh, you know, uh, that was in the space over a period of three months, these UFOs coming in, going out, and the other U displaying aerodynamic uh, maneuvers that no aircraft could do quite on purpose they were doing that. And I was filmed by an unmarked helicopter coming back from my local town. It appeared from nowhere, bristling with camera gear, green, unmarked. Uh, I understand from Jane's Defence Weekly that is on issue to US Special Forces. The British don't have this type of helicopter. Uh, and it was like something out of a Jason Bourne movie because it hovered across a road junction at the height of a lamp post. And I will, a street lamp, I will never forget it. Um, and so that's kind of like in, in a period of three to four months that circus started. So you've got three UFOs. Uh, a first unmarked helicopter incident, a second helicopter incident over my garden where a UFO intentionally buzzes it. We've got the image analysis of that. It gets buzzed. So we can see quite clearly that there is something going on. Uh, and I'm, I'm the last to know what's going on, but there's something going on. And we can certainly say that uh, elements of the military know what's going on. But elements of, there's elements of the military that do not know what's going on, and the two are in conflict with each other. And what you see with this narrative in the media at the moment about UFOs is controlled from one element. You see, uh, and you're told that you're, that you're actually told that they're hostile, we're being invaded, blah, blah. Actually, these star nations have their own judiciary. They have their own governance and infrastructure like humanity. Uh, so really... The, <laughs> It would be very difficult for an alien race to invade Earth. There's too many watching, there's too many involved, and it's deeply spiritual. UFO contact is a spiritual thing. I must emphasize those beings in the UFOs are spiritual, yeah? Uh, but there is a nefarious element to it, a shameful element to it. Uh, that, that's the bit where it's all going wrong in terms of the UFO cover-up. I probably when, talked for long enough there, but carry on, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. When did uh, when did you have your actual first uh, contact? Like uh, you actually? Yeah. Okay, had my, my a, first uh, contact. Um, these UFOs coming in. Actually, my first contact with them was actually before the primary UFO incidents. So my first my first contact was in about '97, 
and we are taught therefore that um, in this situation that we embrace them with love and light oh it's tremendously spiritual oh they're star beings for me i nearly had a bloody heart attack wondering what the hell i'd seen i, I explained this to listeners because um it's communication it's life it's reality this is what happens not you're not it's not all what's the word i'm looking for um it is spiritual yes but at the time when i saw this it wasn't spiritual for me i just wondered what the hell was going on and what happened was if you my background as in childhood um oh my the life i've led um for example at age 10 i was walking down the street with a pram with scrap metal on it to sell it to a scrap merchant because my mum and dad were skint they had no money whatsoever um and and then kind of we lived in a house that was uh, it had no heating it had no bathroom it, it had nothing to it it was a god-awful place to be in and my parents were very poor and i used to get beaten up at school because i looked scruffy yeah uh, and it was t it, it was just god-awful my father was quite an abusive man he's another story altogether and then we decided to move to the housing estate on the other side of town the local authority moved us bear with me i'm coming to what's going on the situation then happened that i was asleep uh, in this new house and all of a sudden i was catapulted to this old victorian type house that we were in this old poorly poorly conditioned house and i'm stood in my mother and father's bedroom and i'm thinking how the hell am i stood here when i'm asleep what's this this is a strange dream i don't get it in front of me is somebody tying back her hair and i'm thinking who's that that's not my mother i'm asleep i don't quite know what's going on and she turns round and she looks at me and in fluent english says how do i look and she is amped up and she is lit and she is not human and she's got slanted eyes she's got a, like a pointed face beautiful copper colored hair beautiful skin tone tremendous physique on her she really looked after herself quite the woman actually even though she wasn't human and i thought my god you're not human i'm not prepared for this i live in a world where you don't exist oh she exists all right that they exist all right gone as quick as she came in so i'm wandering around in a daze trying to understand what the hell's going on um and really, to be quite frank, I wandered round in, in quite a shocked state after seeing her for the first time. And this would dramatically escalate over the years until it's I the only thing she said to you is, how do I oh, look? Yes, that was the only thing she said to me. How do I look? I will never forget it. And then years and years down the line, she would appear again. Uh, and years and years down the line, the Nordics would appear, the blonde, blue eyed extraterrestrials. Um, and the saga would really, really amp up. It would, but at this stage of the game in 97, uh, they, were, they were just showing their presence. That's all they were doing. They were showing their presence. Uh, and looking at the, the book that I'm writing at the moment, what you're actually looking at is a paranormal intelligence operation that snowballed into something absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but for now, they've just appeared. And this is what's going on. There's this subtle kind of appearance of them on and off, on and off. And here in the UK, um, I got targeted. So I'm a targeted individual. And that began in 1999 as well, where you have this MK Ultra style technology being hit at you. Um, you are um, awoken from gunfire, burger alarms, sounds, uh, all kinds of noise effects projected at you 
as we well know, the technology uh, for microwave uh, affects pulse modulated microwaves on the human body to oscillate sound effects in the ear area is, is, is patented, as we well know. So you become a target. You're a targeted individual and you have a circus of individuals or human beings following you around, stalking you um, in the name of national security. I think if you are somebody who's involved in national security in the US or America, in the UK or America, think you have to check on what side of the fence of national security you're on. Do you really want uh, individuals being awoken by this technology running rampage, which is what it is? And I feel effing strongly about that. So I, I had that to put up with. Uh, I hear that often uh, with contactees and experiencers that they are targeted individuals by the uh, shadow government, uh, the military industrial complex, whatever it is that they become interested in these individuals and they harass them, uh, abduct them in some cases, and like you said, perform MK Ultra style type experiments on these people. Yes, they do. Uh, and there's, there's an element of it that doesn't know what it's doing. There's an element of it that is out of its depth with what is going on. So they uphold secrecy. They enforce a silence about the UFO phenomenon, but yet are absolutely clueless as to what it truly is. Uh, and then there's a, a, if you look up the pecking order, there's then another element to it that is absolutely shocking. There's elements of it that I can't talk about for my own safety. There's just elements of this that are, that are, are shocking. Um, I, I've been shown it. I'm aware of it. Um, I can't talk about it for my own personal safety, really. Uh, but we'll, we'll just say at one level with the UFO cover-up, if we were to buy Occam's razor, and I've said this in the public domain as well, uh, that you have a scenario where, for example, we take the US government, a used car salesman in the form of an alien turns up on their doorstep and says, would you like to buy our used UFO? One careful owner, low mileage, uh, Just we're, we're just going to do our own thing, look the other way, and uh, you can have this free of charge. And the US government has paid for this ever since. But you see, that's one half. The other half doesn't know. The ref does not know what the right's doing. And this has caused an absolute disaster, frankly. Uh, and so I am suspicious, therefore, with that going on in the background of the controlled narrative that we see in the media at the moment. Where is that truly coming from and what it's, what is it, its agenda uh, in view of what I have been subjected to, which has been hell, frankly. Now, yeah. let's... Let's go back to uh, after 1997, when things started to pick up for you, you started to get harassed. Uh, yeah. What happens next? Well, you know, it was really, I suppose, it's been a long, a long situation of, uh, of, um, of a private war against individuals who deploy this technology. There's that famous film Training Day where he just sums it up beautifully. It's not what you know, it's what you prove. So they prove that uh, I'm a fantasist, they prove I'm a tinfoil hat wearer, they prove I'm a loon, they prove I'm a creative genius, they prove anything so that the public cannot be told that this has gone on. On no account must the public be told this, and it has gone on, you see. So that, that's, what they, that's what they do. Uh, and then there was numerous incidents that went on with these uh, noise effects. Uh, at one point in the proceedings, I felt quite suicidal, actually, with it. I was being awoken night and day by bloody lunatics uh, with this with this technology. And um, it wasn't schizophrenia either. It was kind of like quite projected. It was quite bad. 
I remember at one point in the proceedings being followed by one of them in a local pub, um, and that was not good. And uh, he, I walked past him and he mentioned something to me about my targeting that only he would know. And only he would know this. Um, and I managed to, uh, I was having this bizarre private war with these individuals, and I managed to find an exact photo fit of what he looked like. Uh, it was, it was a, he's a famous actor that looks exactly like him, uh, actor called uh, Lester Carbonell. He looks exactly like him from the film Smoking Aces. So somebody did a photo fit of that, uh, you know, excellent and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we put that up online just to stop him dead in his tracks because the last thing they want is to be known. And that's what happened, you see. That's how I actually stopped it. But this private war dragged on with them for a number of years. Um, and they're not very nice people. Um, and this is going on in democratic elected society. We are told what we are told. We're, we're told that we're being told the truth. We're told that the government are there to protect us. We're told that they're going to fight for freedom. The, the current situation is that somebody let tyranny through the back door while men gave their lives on the beaches of D-Day. And this is the serious situation that, that they did and they let the Nazis in via Operation Paperclip. And it's been an absolute disaster. To talk about the harassment and mind control is something nowadays that I kind of condense because there's far more important things to talk about than talking about them lot and their circus after what I've been exposed to. Uh, and I've made it my personal mission in life uh, to make sure that every time they hear my name and I start talking about my experiences, that they reach for the drinks cabinet, that they are shocked by it because it's apparent that they, are, they were being watched, every move, their every move is being watched by these people from the stars above. And these people from the stars above, um, Wow, it's, uh, it's quite amazing, really. Uh, but also, you cannot wander around with your eyes closed. It's not airy-fairy. You cannot wander around with your eyes closed. There are many invariables of them, and they all have personalities, and they probably all have problems. And they're, 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 the, the joke being they look like us, and we look like them. Little green men from Mars is rare. Uh, they look more human than alien, I have to say to you. Yeah, they do. Now, it also, when you go back to your childhood, there was some uh, tr trauma and there was some abuse, even uh, psychic attacks from your yes. own father. Isn't that right? Yes, no, that's absolutely right. Yeah, well done for twigging on. Yes, you have done your research, haven't you? Yes, that's right. Well done. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, my father, let's talk about my father. My father was a healer. My father served in the army in 1950 uh, in Vienna. Uh, he was part of something called the West Yorkshire Battalion, which was like an infantry battalion, uh, similar, I suppose, to your National Guard or whatever you call it in the US. He served in the military in 1950. And he, was, he told me that he was approached by the KGB in Vienna. Well, the KGB were running a spy ring in Vienna at the time. And he was a scoutmaster, and he was kind of like running a scout troop for all the scouts and cubs of the officers. So it may have been that they had a, a privy, that they wanted information of that nature. But there again, my father was a powerful healer, and this is the tragedy about him. My father was capable, like, like a Jesus, of healing people with his hands. I've seen him heal somebody's neuralgia, toothache, yeah? Uh, this woman came into the house screaming. Uh, with neuralgia and pleading for my father to help because I think he'd helped her before with something. And he laid his hands on her and cured her of it. Um, there was another situation where my auntie had a dog 
that was at death's door and he brought that back from the brink. My Uncle Bill, he baffled an ambulance crew one day because Uncle Bill was a goner with a heart attack, yeah. The laying of hands brought him back and the ambulance crew were astounded. But then, for example, with me, it was nothing but abuse with him. So, for example, if I wanted to go out somewhere, uh, he would, uh, and I was being naughty, instead of slapping me, he would actually give me headaches and he'd lay me sparko on the bed with a migraine at 10 years of age. The abuse that he subjected me to as well was vile. It was violational. It was absolutely disgraceful what he did. And I have a job on forgiving him over it, actually. I, I really do. He violated me, a nasty man. But that's the tragedy of it, you see. He had this ability, but he had this abusiveness about him. I actually believe that he was possibly targeted. I really do believe that he may have been targeted by something. Because it, it really, on reflection, when I look at him, he was a broken man from his childhood. He used to share a bed with his drunken brothers at age 10. In, in the UK, he was born in 1939, so when he was growing up in 1945 and 46, um, his brothers were coming in from the pub drunk, living in one of these Victorian-style houses and sharing a bed with him. Um, I think it's still, looking back, I'm trying to conceal the fact I'm making it, maybe I'm making excuses for him, I don't know, but I think it's inexcusable what he did. But he, he was a swine. Uh, one of the things he would do, for example, he once beat me up for chatting up girls over the Citizens Band radio system. I came in from home one evening and he got, he got off that chair and he laced into me physically because I was chatting up two ladies um, on the CB radio, two girls trying to arrange a date with them. This was the kind of man that I was dealing with and it's a tragedy, frankly. But I think it gives listeners a very um, unique insight into my life, into the fact that I've had a hell of a life. I mean, when I write my autobiography, there will be nobody on earth that has an autobiography like mine. Oh, my gracious. You know, so there you go, you know, mate? Uh, not easy. I think he may have been involved in some of these black projects, uh, some of these. Not my father, no. He, I think my father was uh, my father was autistic. He was actually, a, bless him, really. Um, he's part of the process of, I don't know why I say bless him, because he violated me, but he, he, he was actually what we would call it, I don't know what you'd call it in the US, but in the UK, he was a sewer man. He went down sewers. Um, and for example, I ended up, I had a high level job. I mean, I had a very responsible job. Uh, it, it was quite mind blowing really. Um, but what would then happen with my father was he started becoming ill when he got into his seventies. Uh, and at one point in the proceeding, for example, uh, he's got, a, he's having a stroke on the toilet and uh, you can hear the ambulance coming and I'm trying to get him off the toilet and he's hitting me in the face as I'm trying to do this. Um, it certainly shapes you, all this. It certainly shapes your character. Um, it really makes you uh, from boy to man very quickly with all this going on. And that's even before we've got the, uh, got the UFOs coming in and all that happened with them, you see. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It is. And, you know, going back to some of your contact experiences, when did you start actually getting messages um, and actual open open communication with them. They'd been going on and off. I mean, I've been I've got journals uh, from 2001 to 2005, and communication is going on there. Uh, and and what is interesting about these journals, I won't go into too much detail about them, 
And what is interesting about these journals is I rarely talked about them because I wondered what the hell to do with them. It's when you go back and read into them that you discover that they were actually communicating with me and I had no idea. I'm wandering around in a complete daze. But from my journals, I can actually tell that something very big was going on behind the scenes uh, and I, I wasn't noticing. But speeding onwards, the first actual contact began when they stepped forward and said, hello, it's us, was in 2014. And that was the first time that they literally appeared and said, yeah, oh, you were right. We are who we are. We're not from around here. Hello, Tony. Um, and it began with um, at the height of the Ukraine crisis. And it began with me doing something for a broadcaster in the UK called Channel 4. That fateful morning, we were going to film outside a place called the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Some say that they're involved with knowing the ET uh, phenomena. I've no idea and I make no claims. It just happened to be that that's where we were filming, but it did seem odd. Uh, and I remember very clearly, very clearly, uh, having this vision in my sleep of this uh, blonde, blue-eyed Nordic ET who appeared in front of me. And he showed me this spectacular vision. And my God, it was it was unbelievable. Two clocks, one said quarter to midnight, the other said five to midnight. Uh, well, actually, no, one said uh, 23.45, the other said uh, 23.55. Um, we then had the two triangle craft hovering and this spectacular vision and an artist friend has drawn in brilliantly and putting it in the book, this spectacular vision of this blonde, blue-eyed man who was truly not human speaking to somebody as if the volume was turned off. So he's talking like this, like that, as if I can't hear it, but he's directing it at someone, and he would be because you're dealing with, I'm not just, I'm not called a paranormal intelligence asset for nothing. Um, it was part of something highly complex and highly technical that was going on. This is displayed in the journals, it's present and I hadn't noticed, but it's there. So basically he was warning some agency on earth and I have reason to suspect that there is some agency on Earth that is in communication with them, and it's highly secret. Um, and I believe that he was warning governments that you see, there's this interesting thing. There's one prime UFO researcher out there, Richard, somebody or other, I forgot it is, but he he talks about the hippie stuff. He talks about uh, it being a new age platitude. The ETs, hey dudes, they're warning us about nuclear war. Oh well, they've always done that. It's a new age thing that happened in the 1970s. It's you know, yeah, peace, man. And actually, it's it's real. They really, really are warning us about a nuclear exchange between uh, Russia, China, America. They're warning continually about the damage that will cause. They're warning the American and UK governments most definitely that this warning and Russia continuous coming in all the time into human affairs. Warning, warning, warning. Because they know of the damage um, that it can that it can actually do to us. In about 97, that woman with her hair tied back is actually connected to a warning. And I received my very first warning, technically, in about 97, where I'm baffled. It's in my journals. I'm having these psychic visions, very vivid. One in particular of a submarine and their type of UFO circling it and this kind of scent from the submarine that they were being trapped by it. It was quite a vision to have. But you see, the visions and the system and the operation that is going on is not governed by the rules of time. So for me, that's 1997. 
for them it could be any point on the time frame of humanity's history when they're coming in doesn't matter um and that's what was happening so there's early visions of this kind of nuclear prevention theme going on and then in 2014 as i say they just appeared and they started coming in uh, and it was absolutely unbelievable and that's when they really really started letting me know that they were nordics they were blonde blue-eyed nordics from the andromeda galaxy system uh, and they were using bases on earth and they are using bases on earth and there's an indication that the himalayas being one of them uh, an area in the south pacific being another um, they use quite routinely our bases uh, they're like me and you and you get to a level of liaison where it's quite easy to speak to them but you're not allowed to do that because hey we've got this narrative running that hey ufos are invading us and ufos are a threat and if the government uh, if government stopped a minute and just check themselves it could be very beneficial of them to know what they're about and what their technology would offer us and all that kind of thing but there you go in my own way i'm trying to prevent a third world war in my own way with what is going on around me now you it's said you, you were contacted by nordics were there any other races that you had contact yes with? yes yeah yeah there's actually three groups that, that, that i primarily yeah, that i'm primarily dealing with um the, the thing is is that what's the situation now it's not what you know it's what we can prove so we prove that i'm a fantasist we prove that we've made this up the problem I've got with this is that I do not have the intellectual capacity nor brain to make this up. I don't. I can't make it up. You couldn't make it up. It's too complex. It's too involved. The narrative, the journals, the uh, the narrative doesn't change. And a lot of my supporters will say to me, yes, Tony, we believe you because you have not changed your narrative in nearly 20 years. It's consistent constantly. It doesn't change. Uh, I was on a radio show last night with a hardened cynic who um who respected me because i was constant i was concise i didn't backtrack on anything and i just told it like it is there were some elements that he maybe didn't believe about but he, he admired me for being concise and and my narrative being consistent which is what it is and has not altered um you know so we, we yeah so for example um to give another example of contact with them i lost my mother in tragic circumstances in 2018 uh, she died of dementia in that hospital. I am convinced that she was targeted in some way, although I will never be able to prove it. And that's the shameful, shocking bit of it all. There was an incident that happened with one of the ETs, the woman I'm talking about who was tying her hair back, who appeared again, expressing moral outrage at all I had been through. It, I cannot begin to describe it to you, but a female ET expressing moral outrage is a sight to see but she was not happy. Now she's a maritime being, she comes from the oceans, but she doesn't, she was telling me that she didn't just come from the oceans, she came from the oceans from another universe and used our oceans as bases. Oh, believe me or believe me not, I, I really don't effing care anymore. I've been through hell and back with all this. Uh, you know, I have. The, 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 the thing was the, was this was the situation. Um, I lost my mother. I then had to move house. And I had an umbilical hernia where my belly button had popped out and I had a beard barrel tummy and I was in trouble with it. And according to the surgeon, had it persisted, I'd have got gangrene with it because I'd let it go and go and go. I was so busy trying to care for my mother, uh, it wasn't good. So all in the space of one year, I lost my mother, I had to move and then I had to have major hernia surgery. Um, and it was absolutely unbelievable. And I remember 
that these beings were present when I moved into this new flat in communication with me constantly. They were they were kind of like telling me I was going to be okay. They would come again in November 2018 to check on me after my operation, and they did, uh, which was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and the liaison has been quite, quite, shall we say, uh, I wouldn't call it an in-depth liaison, but I would call it a liaison the liaison at a level where they could pop round for a cup of coffee quite easily kind of liaison. I, I'm routinely aware that they're there. I'm routinely aware that they're using bases in the Himalayas. I'm routinely aware that they're coming from oceans. They're talking. They're there. They're real. They're just like me and you. And that's what's fascinating. And I'm sure there are certain individuals out there who are also having liaison with them, probably keep it quiet. Um, and because they communicate via dreamscape, and via, like, let us say, non-locality, there is every possibility that a world leader could have communication with them and keep it quiet as well. Every possibility of it. You mentioned uh, Nordics, maritime beings, and what was the other? Uh... Yes, okay, Arcturus. Yeah, so I didn't, yeah. So what, what we've got going on is we had the hernia surgery, yeah? Uh, and I remember going, going to the hospital. I'd lost my mother. I was collapsing with exhaustion. I was traumatized. I don't know how the hell I survived the ordeal because my mother dying on me like she did was bloody unbelievable, frankly. I, I mean, I looked after her till her dying day. It was hell. Um, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sorry, I'm losing, I'm emotional. Um, right. So then I moved to here to Southport and then I had to go back to Yorkshire for surgery. And they indicated to me that these Nordics, that they would come again in November to check on me and they didn't let me down. And I remember having the surgery. I remember being transferred into another ward. And I remember being constantly sick after the operation. I could not stop being sick. Uh, by an odd coincidence, a surgeon walked by and actually by who was doing the rounds and assisted me and we got, so I fell asleep. The next minute I know there was this tremendous vision in my head. I mean, I was under stress. I was being targeted. I didn't think I'd get out of the hospital alive. Um, there was this tremendous vision in my head of a galaxy just suddenly in my head. It was it was spectacular. And the vision of this woman uh, appearing in front of me was blonde and blue-eyed, who I'd not seen before. Absolutely gorgeous. She was, but she had a military bearing about her. It was like, oh. God, it was like something you'd see on CNN when one of these military guys walks in for a briefing, you know, kind of. She was, she was military, but not human. And she told me that, that her name was Isa, and she told me that the, uh, the Nordics have a military command similar to the US. They have a, a military command. They have a judiciary, and they have a, a policing, the law and order system. They have to have, because they mirror... There's a grand designer out there who's, very, who's designed all this very cleverly, and so Nordics mirror the human civilization, but they're, they're advanced by about 700 years, uh, I would suggest. And um, she indicated that her name was Isa, uh, and she had a beautiful surname that just flowed off the tongue that was very Hebrew. And I'm sure, I can't remember, I'm sure it was something like Gardaminian or Garda something. The standing joke being that I was one of the first people to know her full name from another galaxy. They found it hilarious. Um, and she was telling me that I would be okay. She was telling me that they were doing a security welfare check on me, as it were. Uh, and they give some further information that I couldn't, that I can't talk about, unfortunately. But they did add that something had gone on with me and her that I'm yet to learn about uh, further. And then with that, they were gone. Um, 
and I've not seen her, Isa. I've not seen her for a while now. So I don't. Uh, but I think they'll put in another appearance and show me the way. You know, this is difficult to deal with, and you have to add the caveat to it of: Are the military larking around with my head and doing artificial reality experiments on me? I always have that in the back of my mind because you can't make it up. And I'm thinking, is this real? Is this really going on? I can't even believe it myself. But oh, it's going on, all right. It's real, all right. And they they they've put in an appearance now. Um, the, the, it can, the contact saga continues, uh, and I know that I'm going to film them again. They've indicated that they're going to turn up again to be filmed. Um, they're not invading us. They don't want our our air generals panicking. Um, they're not invading, and they're not invading. They're not. They're monitoring things very closely, including environmental matters. It would appear. So it's as if they're here as allies rather than enemies, but they do oppose something that is extraterrestrial that you would class as the equivalent of Russia and their America, and there is a Cold War going on. And I can go into that for you in a bit of detail, some principles that go on on a Skywatch uh, to help people with that, if you get me. That's yeah. actually what I was going to ask you about. I've heard you say that before. And what do you mean by that? And wh who is involved with this? What what races are involved? So, right. So you, you're talking, uh, right. What, so just to answer, what, when you say, what do I mean by that? I'm sorry to ask you, what do you mean? What section am I not describing? What do I mean? Just clarify for me. Well, you said that there's a Cold War, uh, yeah. which implies that, you know, there are two races opposing each other. What is this Cold War about? Does it involve us? And, you know, just explain a little bit okay. more about right. it. Okay. It, it, it raises um, its activities whereby, as I described earlier, somebody turns up with a used car, a used UFO, and says, you can have this excellent piece of technology for free. We are going to move into the house across the road, uh, but don't watch what we're doing. We're aliens, and we're going to move into that house across there. You have your UFO toy, and don't watch what we're doing. And I, and I think that sums it up in very simplistic way, but it appears it's a, a query. What it is, it's the legality of what other extraterrestrial groups do as opposed to, you know, it's a judiciary thing. So what you've got is, for example, you can't go around as an ET with advanced technology abusing the human race without some sort of recoil coming back at you. Uh, these star nations have judiciary. These star nations are quite developed, and they have legal due process, and they have laws. You cannot go around doing this to humanity uh, without it not being noted and without, not, without some collar feeling going on. And basic principle, then, you've got an extraterrestrial group that's having its collar felt, and it's not liked. It's not, it's not liked. Um, they are breaking laws, and they should not be doing what they're doing. And that's really, I think, as far as I can go with it, I don't really... Well, which which group it. is the one that is doing this, that is breaking the law? Uh, I would describe them, you would popularly describe them as greys, uh I, I don't quite know their full identity. Um, but for example, I've seen things I've seen things, really seen things that will be enough to put a man in a psychiatric year, but I've really seen some stuff with them. One of the most things that shook me up the most was uh in the in the process of the operation that was going on and ETs, extraterrestrials, Russia, America, but the ET version of it, uh is violence among them the threat of violence among extraterrestrials towards each other 
is quite shocking to see. When you've got one extraterrestrial group threatening violence on another, it, 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 and you're not used to it because you're, you're a human being living in a world that's uh, conditioned not to acknowledge this existence. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and that can get quite hair-raising. But in general, the ETs, I have to say, are very nice, actually, very friendly. I know, uh, for example, situation that occurred, or I covered from my operation, that leading into the other contact group. So I've described two groups, and this is the third one. So I come back from York, uh, from the hospital, back to Southport, and discover that I'm wandering about collapsing with mental exhaustion. Not physical, but mental. I'm absolutely zonked out. Uh, I mean, who would not be? I've lost my mother. I'm having an operation. I lost everything. I lost the house I was living in since 1986, and I had to move, and that was a miracle. It's a lot for a man to deal with. Um, and by strange coincidence, there was a contactee in the US who indicated that um, she, she, we had a conversation, and she more or less, this was bizarre, but she more or less said her mother worked for NASA, and she more or less said, I am going to speak to the ET group that I am in contact with. This is not good. And the bizarre incident happened two o'clock one Monday afternoon. I'm laid out exhausted in the bed. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. And I just had the presence of this beautiful, bald-headed, green-looking lady come in front of me who identified herself as, a, as an ET, who identified herself as, uh, as being part of one of these groups. Then she didn't tell me where she'd come from didn't tell me where she'd come from but other than the fact that she had heard about what was going on with me but in some cases because they're ETs they don't always know the news doesn't always get to them sometimes uh, but she she said that they were going to assist me and she was gorgeous I mean she just oozed this beautiful feminine energy um, it was quite a sight she was absolutely gorgeous and I, you know then what happened was a few days later as I as I, I don't know which came first whether it was the UFO incident or them, but it doesn't matter, it, it happened. So basically, I live near a place called the Marine Lake, uh, near Southport, and uh, the, the situation was these UFOs came in when I was sat there. One of them was a triangle with three pink lights on it. I've never seen a triangle with three pink lights on it. Uh, I've filmed the triangles, but not this particular type. And it appeared over the Marine Lake for about five seconds, disappeared, followed by a very bright ball of white light. And I remember something happening to my energy, body's energy, and I've not suffered mental exhaustion since. They intervened, they stopped it. Um, and then a few weeks later, they came over the rooftops again. It was a spectacular sight, really. Uh, she came back again, in a, in a, in a, a UFO was emerald green. And it came in over the rooftops and she hovered. And I knew it was her, and I knew she'd come to see me to check up on me. She was just coming to have a look, and they hovered around for a bit, and then they flew off silently at speed, but it was a beautiful sight. Um, and they identified themselves as being from Arcturus, and they indicated once again that they have judiciary, they're not invading us, they're quite, quite sharp, very clever, very evolved, and uh, they're watching. So what you've got is, luckily, I'm being watched over, um, and that's a good thing. So we're talking about scenarios where these ETs have intervened and saved my saved my life on a number of occasions, including the one it's in the public domain where I had fever and wasn't able to look after my mother, and that was that was unbelievable. Uh, if you'd like me to, I can go into that if you wish. If you wish to, sure, go ahead. Okay, mate. Well, 
the Nordics uh, are in and out, in and out. And um, the thing is with it is that the liaison is going on. It's still ongoing, but I don't know the reason why. I'm still not quite clear. It's filtering back to me as to why, but very slowly. They're not quick on that, but that doesn't matter really. I'm just actually enjoying what they're showing me, that it, there is a there is life out there. We are being lied to, uh, and it's not good. It's just not good that we're being lied to in the way that we are. Um, and I know that during the time I was looking after my mother, before she really went downhill, it was a Christmas, 2016 or something like that. No, it'd be after be 20. Yeah, it would have been about 2015, 2016, Christmas time. And I was unable to look after her because I had flu. If you get flu, I don't know if you've had flu. Have you had flu? Yeah, yes. you can't get out of bed, mate. You, 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 how the hell? I mean, I had a dust mask on my face. I'm trying to look after her. I can't get help because all the carers from the care company have gone down ill. Um, relatives, the, the, there's her one of her relatives who, anyway, he's another story. He was away. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I said, Mum, listen, I've got to go upstairs and rest. I'm not well. And she just went, go on, son. I'm all right, bless her. I went upstairs and I sat on the bed and I've got fever, mate. I mean, I'm burning up. And the room begins to spin. Now, immediately you would think, oh, well, he's hallucinating. Well, if you think that, you're quite thick because I've told you there's a 20-year narrative behind this and I'm not frigging hallucinating. Um, but anyway, I've got fever to the level where I'm going delirious. I'm burning up. And I'm looking after my mother, and how the hell she didn't get it, I've no idea. Um, next minute I know, I fall asleep. And then the next minute I know, I'm in a dream of a knock at the door. But it's so real, it's as if it's like we're sat here now. Goes downstairs, opens the door to discover the very blonde, blue-eyed man who I saw in the vision a few years, uh, in a few years back. Stood there, just going, hello, Tony. Uh, we've come to see you. Are you all right? In fluent English. And I went, no, I'm not. And he went, we gathered that. And he had this kind of, I remember he had a, an, a ranking signature across here, like a like an airman. It was quite unbelievable. Um, and he, and next minute I know there was this wah, wah, wah sound. I remember that quite clearly as if a craft was applying power. And he, he, he took me to this, in Britain, there's like this monument, this great big structure called the Ribblehead Viaduct, which is a great big railway bridge of magnificent structure uh, and they took me there and i remember him standing and looking up at this structure and going tony that is a magnificent structure in fluent english i'm thinking who the hell are you i just i'm not getting this who are you i don't even know his name actually which bugs me but never mind um and the next minute i know three hours of missing time had elapsed my mother had been asleep she was all right three hours of missing time it sent, it felt like a, a minute uh, and i was cured of my fever and I could look after my mother. I was completely cured of it, gone. Uh, and I could look after her. So you see these kind of constant interventions going on. Um, you know, I, absolutely unbelievable. And of course, there's so much more that I, I write about in my writings about it all. But they're the primary incidents with them, where they keep coming in, going out, um, checking in on me, speaking to me. It's unbelievable, really. I find it interesting. You said that they have bases that are here um, yes. and that they they've always basically been here under yes. the water underground yeah. uh yeah. tell us a little bit about those what do you know about them well i don't know well i don't know a lot about them frankly matey i know that there was a 
I know that there was an incident in France that happened to a French farmer in 1960 when he was taken by Nordic ETs to uh, a base in the Himalayas. Uh, and his description of that was very accurate. Uh, and what is interesting is on his return journey, uh, there was uh, the Nordics indicated that they had two Mirage jets following them. Uh, and according to records, that was actually recorded that these Mirage jets were involved in a UFO incident. I had an incident with a, with two RAF jets and a UFO. If your listeners want to hear about that as well, uh, you know that was quite absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but but basically, he was then put back again. Now, he, so we know that their bases are in the Himalayas. Everybody thinks of America as being the big shot in the UFO phenomena. We talk about MJ12, don't we? Um, but there's another agency in America. Not a lot of people know. I've called the Collins Elite which is uh, an agency that I, I know of, um, a very specialist agency, Christian UFO agency, uh, consisting of the Army, Navy, Air Force. But India are really are, India are a very formidable force in understanding the UFO subject as a government and as a military they are. Uh, and in the certain areas of the Himalayas that the Indian Air Force won't venture into because of the presence of the UFOs there, especially in the areas of Ladakh, uh, in the mountains there, um, they won't go in that area. Uh, you're dealing with a with the equivalent military of somebody from another galaxy who's 700 years ahead of us in technology, uh, and uh, they are well, I, they're a force to be reckoned with. I think that uh, our militaries are a bit wary of them, but there's no invasion going on. They're not they're not here to invade. Um, there is that thing with the US Navy now constantly kind of coming in the media and reporting things about UFOs. They're probably one of the lead agencies who know the inf the information and the Indian Air Force will know uh, knows an awful lot about the UFO phenomenon. It even did a back engineered project using Viamas trying to, it's an official document, the Indian Air Force researched Viama flying machines to back engineer them. I've forgotten the name of the document, but it's an official Indian Air Force document, you see. So India, under Indira Gandhi, uh, they were manoeuvring their black uh, ops, uh, their black kind of budget programs in relation to their Vedic texts and ancient texts, which knew of interaction with extraterrestrials, you see. And one of the things that the Vedic texts talk about, as Dr. Greer would say, is non-locality, the mind and the subconscious communicating across time without distance. So that's why you can communicate with someone in a gal in another galaxy very easy, because the time distance is basically collapsed. If you get me, it's there's no time; it doesn't exist yet. Um, so you know that that's kind of like what happened there. I don't really know much about their bases. Uh, there has been incidents, uh, a particular curious incident with one of the UFO triangles that was absolutely, I think, out of all the incidents I have, this one was was absolutely unbelievable with it. Uh, and it, and the liaison is still ongoing; it's not stopping. It's just not, it's just trucking on and on and on. Uh, and I sometimes fear for my life with all this. I wonder how long I've got. I do, after what I've been through. But I'm still here. I'm still trucking on. Uh, but it is not easy, you know, not easy at all. Yeah. There's also a, an aspect of this that the nuts and bolts physical aspect researchers don't take into account. And that's the dark occult spiritual aspect and how that's connected, um, you know, the interdimensional side, 
the things that are not physical that we can't see, we can't explain, but it's all connected to this you somehow. Will, will, yes, um, indeed. Interestingly, Luis Elizondo, in a briefing to MUFON, uh, gives that away. He gives it away very subtly. He says, um, he stands in front of MUFON and he tells them nothing, actually. He te- I mean, he, he tells them that he's DOD. I'm sure he's a very good man. I'm sure that if he could have stopped my harassment with his team, he would have done. I've not met him, but I just get that impression that he'd be absolutely outraged if he knew that this all this was going on, you know, people being targeted. I think he's that sort of man, that his team, I think your government security apparatus would have tried to stop it if they could. I'm sure of this. Uh, America's a great nation and it's got good people in it. And um, that's the thing. But he, he was talking about the Department of Defense and his, his role uh, in it all. And the fact that some of his colleagues in the Department of Defense were raising kind of religious concerns to the point uh, about the UFO phenomenon to the point where it was actually freaking them out. Well, it would do, because the one bit that he didn't mention is exactly what you just said, which is the occult and kind of uh, esoteric carry-on that we see before us. For example, that symbol, you know, you see the pop stars doing that. And um, it's all hip and all cool. All hip and all cool. They have no idea at all what that's about. We approve of his presence upon high is the esoteric kind of thing of that. But whose presence do they approve of? What presence? Why is it here? What's it doing? And that you've walked straight into the very, very uh, correct area of where all that's going. And so Luis Elizondo and his team, he, he kind of scanted over that at this MUFON lecture. That's what they were actually concerned about. And in the book written by Linda Moulton Howe, High Strangeness, Volume 1, quite a good book. There are some curious writings by Linda Howe about her being approached by people from the Department of Defense who were talking about America's kind of ongoing trouble it was having with something called non-human entities or NHEs. Um, and they were kind of like having difficulties with them. Uh, well, it's d- demonic, basically. It's kind of like that force is, is around us. And so unbeknown probably to these guys, there was the agency, the Collins Elite. And the Collins Elite were looking at this very closely. They were looking at why... UFOs were coming into U.S. airspace as a matter of national security because these U.S. these UFOs were being a bit a bit hostile, uh, and they I don't know how they did this, but they nailed it down. They're very clever people. Uh, they nailed it down to a cult ritual as being a cause of part of the UFO phenomenon. Not all, but a jigsaw, so part of it, and they nailed it to down to one man. Actually, I've forgotten the guy's name. It's an excellent book by Nick Regfern called Final Events, all about the Collins Elite. The head of the Collins Elite, uh, sorry, the head of Majestic is called MJ1. What's fascinating me is that the head of the Collins Elite is called Loftus Bridge. Um, And that's a very curious name. Loftus Bridge is the head of the Collins Elite. That's what his code name was. Uh, Nick Redfern, uh, I'd highly recommend you to get him on on your show. He's a great guy. He's got documents that indicate from from alleged Collins Elite members that indicate references to the mysterious head of them called Loftus Bridge. So that your military, this country's military, have an actual grasp, and they do have a grasp, of what is going on uh, to save all mankind. So America, in that sense, is a great nation, as do Russia. Russia, America, China, they've got paranormal warfare units. 
they've got special paranormal warfare units who know. Even the Russians indicated that they had contacted extraterrestrials via their psychic special units uh, and they were in communication with them. When I asked for that Russian unit to try and release that information to me, they indicated their reply simply to me was, Tony, open your heart to them and you will know. And that was their reply. They've got this spectacular website called newcosmology.com. It's the Russian remote viewing website. And their unit was called Troop 10,003. And they used women remote viewers only. And from what their general was saying, General Savin, comments that their contact, they had informational contact with them, but these ETs were only giving medical information they were not giving any military information. Only medical information was being uh, communicated with them. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's. Uh, I hope I'm painting a picture of what really goes on as compared to what you're told. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's the thing. Yeah. And right now, what's happening with everything in the mainstream media being talked about with UFOs, um, it's coinciding with what it seems like a major awakening for people, a uh, raising of consciousness, and also an unveiling of the, you know, the world behind ours, some of the dark things that are happening behind the scenes. Where do you think this is? It feels like a buildup to something major that's going to happen. Do you think we're being prepared uh, for something that's coming in the near future? Uh, uh, when you say what i'll have to ask you the question what do you think that is do you mean are aliens going to appear are they going to say hey that's us. what i'm wondering i'm wondering yeah, let's all being be prepared for that mm. they, that we're going to find out something no matter what like something big is going to happen that the government knows about but you know it's going to happen and we're just being prepared for it. It could be, uh, you know, a fake invasion that they're, they're planning. It could be that we are going to have open contact. That's the thing that I don't know, but I just get the feeling that we are being prepared for something. Well, we, we are being prepared for something. Um, the, the narrative, the controlled narrative tells us that we're being invaded for very nefarious reasons because it don't, it don't actually say what it's actually done. They don't actually say in public what they've actually done. And I think that in fairness to Luis Elizondo and his team, I think they know, uh, they knew what's been going on uh, and they're aghast at it. Um, you know, because there's good people in your country, as I say, in your military and security apparatus that, that, that want the world to be a peaceful place. They don't want war. So I think that what primarily, it seems that the mission of these ETs at the moment is not so much disclosure and full-on contact with them, but prevention in human affairs of conflict at a global level is perhaps going on currently. As to where the direction of contact goes with them, um, in terms of disclosure, that's probably 100 to 50 years from now where we might see something like that occur. And I think it would happen via your military. I think it would happen via the Navy. And I think that it would be an understanding of their science merging with ours into mainstream society. The information that ETs give to our military is very drip, drip, drip. It's, it, it's barely kind of, it's very slow. Disclosure doesn't happen overnight. It's not one of these the day after disclosure. Don't kid yourself with these ETs. Disclosure. Just the thing with them is that some of them look like me and you. 
some of them are more human in look are human in look actually and the thing with that is that their populations are very variable uh, and it's a good job they're in other galaxies because I have no doubt in my mind we could go to war with them for no apparent reason. You know, the, the, the wars and conflicts are engineered. So it's kind of like in some ways a good thing because it may be that we might not get on with them. It may be that we really might not see eye to eye with them as, as human beings. So at the moment, they're being very subtle in their approaches of what they're doing. I honestly believe that in terms of the UK and the UK government, I actually genuinely believe that there is an attempt by them a communication uh, there is an attempt by them to I think a, a dialogue like diplomatic relations as if one NATO partner if you could class them as a NATO partner like the Nordics if you could class them as like uh, a NATO partner uh, that that's a very interesting concept if you could class them as training with our Air Force uh, you know I mean that I'm just thinking out the box but you've got a civilization 700 years ahead with an artificially intelligent craft practicing with our air force what they're practicing for i've no idea i'm just thinking concepts uh but it's military it's war it's it's just not sitting with me comfortably precisely as to where it's going at the moment you see despite having nearly 40 years of it i'm just not precisely on it yeah yes uh i agree now to close out tonight uh, it, it's definitely apparent that they want us to change something, and I feel that it's the negative control system we're under, uh, the system that loves war and violence and is, is trying to kill each other. Um, I think that's what they're trying to get the message across that, that we need to get rid of. We need to change, you know, yeah. if this phenomenon is occurring yeah. and if yeah. all these thousands and millions of, of people who are experiencing it are experiencing the same thing, um, you know, do you think that it's possible that we can get out of this control system uh, within our lifetime? I, I hope so. There's a number of hybrid threats that uh, that they'll be dealing with in the years ahead, including nature. I mean, uh, uh, you know, nature and the and uh, the sea and the fact that we cannot control our environment at the moment. We're attempting to. We just haven't quite got the tech. Uh, that's the situation. That's a hybrid threat going on. We need to clean up our environment most definitely. Uh, do I feel you see? The thing is, some of these civilizations don't have money. And to your government, that's a national security issue. That's, they know this. I've forgotten the report. There's a specific report by a, an agency within the NSA who more or less indicated that these ETs do not have money. You know, so that the, 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 there's that going on. Uh, there was something else I was just going to say, and I've completely forgotten what it was. But, oh, yes, that was it. And also as well, when you think about it this way, that there are young people with these extraterrestrials, like the Nordics, for example, they've got children. Uh, they definitely have children like we do. And they, those children are brought up in an education system where it is of standard acknowledgement that there is life in the universe. Absolutely standard education practice that we are not alone in the universe. Uh, and that's and, and, and when you look at where they're at and when you look at where we are with our paradigm, um, there is a controlling mechanism going on. And it's in conflict with itself, not only with humanity, but it's in conflict. It, it wants its transcendence. It wants knowledge, but it doesn't. It wants to control on the one hand, you know, and on the other hand, it doesn't. Um, and that's quite, you know, that's quite a thing. So, yeah, there is uh, an opposition to the controlling mechanism, uh, most definitely. We are evolving. Human race is evolving, most, most definitely is. Yeah, indeed it is. Mm. 
Yes, Tony, I agree. It is evolving. We're seeing things that we've never seen before. We're living yeah. in fascinating and amazing times. We are. And uh, I want to thank you so much again for joining us tonight. There's much more we can talk about, so I'll definitely have you back on. Oh, that'll be good. Well, that, you know, you give it six months, matey, and I'll probably have a bigger, you know, a, a good picture of what's going on. But within six months, my book, which is called Revelations of a Paranormal Intelligence Asset, probably in the next two months will be will be released. Uh, that could cause controversy as well, uh, because it is about paranormal intelligence, all this. It is about intelligence gathering and information, most definitely it is. So uh, I'll be, I'm getting that written at the moment, and uh, hopefully that should be a good read for people. Definitely. We'll be looking forward to it. And thanks again. You'll have a great evening. Oh, thank you. Cheers, mate. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.